Hi, and welcome back to Becoming. You are listening to episode number 85, Healing from an Eating Disorder with Tony Young. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. Welcome to Becoming. We're so excited to have you here today, and we have a Dear friend of ours, Tony Young, is going to be sharing with us, and we're so excited to dive more into this. In episode 63, we got to speak to a young woman about toxic perfectionism, and she described to us a little bit about an eating disorder that she was experiencing and healing from that and really coming to a really great place and learning from that. And we really felt like it would be important to dive deeper into eating disorders themselves. And we have our friend with us here to explain to us her personal experience and share with you a little bit more about what she learned, what that was like, and the life lessons that she pulled from that. So even if this seems like a topic that isn't applicable to everyone, it really can be because the life lessons are still so very important. So Tony, welcome to Becoming, and we're so grateful to have you. Thank you so much. You know, I feel passionate about this topic because even though people aren't experiencing it, they probably know someone who is. So it it is something we need to discuss in our society much, much more right now than ever before. So I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to share my story. So thank you, ladies. Oh, we're so, so grateful to have you on. I do want to preface one thing right now to ladies that I'm not a professional in eating disorders. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a social worker. So I'm just here to share my experience and let you know kind of what, how it started for me, but I'm not a professional. So I don't want to act like I know the ins and outs of this eating disorder or how it affects people or how other people started. Mm -hmm. I just know from my personal experience, and I'm hoping that will be an aha moment for somebody else. It's why I want to kind of discuss it also today. Well, perfect. So maybe share with us a little bit about the specific eating disorder that you suffered from and how that started. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm 60 years old and four years I was bulimic out of that 60 years. And I was so severely bulimic that I was uh, binging two to three times a day for four years Mm. and not a week, a day for four years. So I just want to state that I was, I was very sick and um, this was from the ages of 19 to 23 that I was so ill. And how did it start? Wow. It was, a lot of different things, especially now as I look back on it. Um, but I was involved in some modeling and I was also involved in like a dance team. So obviously our figures were very important in both of those roles. Um, it started when I was on a photo shoot 
And this was probably when I was like 18, 17 or 18. And one of the other models told me that that's what they did. Well, you can eat as much as you want, just get rid of it again. And I was like, what? You know, I, you know, I never really uh, heard of that before. And so it, it almost became a binging where I would eat so much that all I could do is lose it. I had to lose it. And I, I got to the point now where I've graduated from high school, I'm doing some modeling, I'm working, um, but now I'm about to attend college. I'm, I'm on a, the dance team there, the college. And this is when I feel like it really kind of escalated, was we were weighed in every single week in front of our peers oh for goodness. this dance team. Talk about something that's just toxic for a self-image and for other girls there. Yeah. Uh, so I know that was very unhealthy for me at the time. And I was working. And what was interesting as I think back on that is I had such disordered thoughts. I mean, I woke up in the morning and all I could think of is food and what I was going to eat for the day and how I was going to lose it. It, it truly was disoriented thinking. I would still function though. You guys, I wasn't really thin. I looked fine, but I wasn't scary thin. Um, or to someone would notice. Uh, one of my coworkers found out, and it was very embarrassing for me, but she was very worried about me. She was the only person that kind of pulled me aside and said, I'm worried about you. I'm really concerned that this is happening. Is there anything I can do to help you? And of course, I denied it and, oh, I'm fine and that kind of thing. But as I look back on that, I think a lot of people knew, but they just didn't know what to say or how mm -hmm. to help me in that process. Well, yeah, I think it is a very isolating experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if at this point, were you aware of the health risks that comes with an eating disorder? Oh, heavens no. No, but... Um, Again, it just continued to kind of escalate as my recovery is when I really did notice that I'm really hurting myself. But as far as the recovery started, that's when I really realized, I don't think I've even shared this with anyone, but I was, I was driving and binging at the same time, and I got in a car accident. Now, can you imagine that, trying to drive and throw up at the same time? It's so scary. So... Um, I got in a car accident and that was kind of a wake up call for me. And I'm a very spiritual person. I pray often and I just got uh, what I felt like was an inspiration that if I do not stop this, I will kill myself. And then I started realizing that I couldn't stop it, that my stomach was so used to getting rid of food that now things that I did eat would trigger it. Uh, my dentist, oh, this was another thing, so embarrassing, but you'd go to the dentist and I would just have cavities after cavities. I was ruining my teeth. My teeth were horrific. And he knew exactly what was happening because he had seen it before in the dentist chair of bulimic girls coming in and their teeth being just ruined with that acid. Uh, that comes into your mouth and it eats away your enamel. 
And then later on in life, I explained it to my, my dentist. And I just said, look, I've had an eating disorder. And that's why my teeth look like they do. And he goes, I, I can tell that. <laughs> he knew immediately in looking at my x-rays and stuff exactly what was wrong with that. But, um, but again, was he too nervous to bring this up and talk well, to you about he it? He never brought it up to me. I brought it up to him. I definitely brought it up to him. And... I feel like that was kind of my first step of recovery. First of all, again, I didn't speak about it to anyone. I didn't yeah. tell anyone, right? I'd go on a date. I'd come home. I'd lose my dinner. I mean, it was just a rhythm I was in. Then, like I said, I just thought, I've just got to try to go one day without losing anything. Yeah. And um, I couldn't. And so I thought, okay, at least just once a day, you know, and then I tried to keep meals down as I went. So now it's kind of become a little bit of a challenge for me to get this under control again, right? And then I met someone, and, and it's my future husband, and we just had so much fun together, and I, I was getting better when I was with him. With that process of kind of feeling loved, probably more secure, and it was in that six months that I was able to finally get free. And then from then on, a year later, I still struggled on and off depending on what I ate. Um, I'm very sensitive now to what I eat. I can't do rides at an amusement park and things like that. I mean, it's, it's been debilitating in many ways. Taking a real toll on your body. Oh, Absolutely. Can I ask you, back when you were struggling the worst with this eating disorder, what was your body image or self-esteem like? Oh, it was kind of looking back at him. My father had left us. And you ask yourself, okay, we, we know the body image and the obvious things, the modeling, the being weighed in front of people. But really what it was, was so much anxiety of being out of control that my father had left, I'm responsible for my mother, I'm responsible for my little sister. Um, I had a very abusive brother growing up and making fun of me, uh, putting me down, talking about my weight. So I don't really realize that when I started, but yeah. as you look back, you see the lack of control in my life and so all of a sudden the eating disorder was a sense of control. And then it was really a lack of control. So it just yeah. spun itself into another situation where I was out of control. And kind of when I was going through that recovery time, my parents were getting back together and things were seemed to be working for them. And they did get back together. It was just a really tough time in our lives. Yeah. So I shared with them because I'm starting to get healthy and the answer they gave me was just shock. I mean, they were kind of disgusted and then didn't say anything. And to be honest with you, that was devastating to me. Yes. Because I thought, you don't realize how sick I was and still probably am. And I needed help. And yeah. that was kind of a cry for help. But they just didn't say anything and nor did they ever ask me how I was doing or what can I do to help or let's get into some counseling. Let's um, anything, nothing. 
And I think that's one thing that in this podcast, as a parent, you need to be looking for the signs and you need to get some help for your kids. You need to see the signs and you need to get some help for them. Talk about it. It was interesting. I was chatting with my nephew over the weekend and I said, I have this podcast. And he goes, oh, you know, like he was really impressed. And, uh, you know, he's a young, great looking kid. He's dating and doing all these things. And I said, yeah, it's on eating disorders. And his whole face just kind of went, oh, okay. You know, like, mm -hmm. like, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and um, I think, I think it's very prevalent, ladies out there. I think uh, the high school girls are, are doing it. I think it doesn't matter if you're in modeling or dance or anything. I just, I just think it's out there. And it's more of a control, anxiety-ridden disease more so than even body image is kind of what, not saying that the body image was driving it, it was. Yeah. But oh, I guess the emotional part to that was also a driver. So it's not just the body image, it's the anxiety or lack of control in your life or things that you're not able to talk about. It's you know? true, Tony. I kind of see this as the mental illness stigma that yeah. goes on and people are really trying to break that right now. Like we can talk about these things. We need to. Absolutely. And this is part of that. This belongs in that category. We Absolutely. need to be willing to open up and help each other talk about this. I like that you brought up, it wasn't all about the body image. It was mm -hmm. about a sense of control in your life. And yeah. I've discussed this on this podcast before. And I feel as if humans have two basic needs that have to be met. And the first one is that we all need a sense of love and belonging. Yeah. And the second one is we all need a sense of control in our life. Like we yeah. have the ability to make decisions for ourselves and have some sort of control. And I think when those two things become in danger or are even non-existent, sometimes we do turn to these unhealthy measures mm. Uh, to just feel like we can have some sense of control in our lives. And some people go to drugs and alcohol and sure. there's many different, but this is sure. definitely one that people lean towards to feel that sense of control. And I think it's so important that we are aware of this. We discuss it. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, there for our friends, for our siblings, our children, and we learn how to cope with these feelings in different and more healthy ways. So you discussed how you've met this man and that helped you kind of look at your life differently and really want to begin to change. So how did you start this recovery process for well, yourself? Um, and, and again, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm very spiritual and I was on my knees a lot. Uh, I, I prayed a lot and I look back and I've talked to people before and they said, I can't believe you were able to pull yourself out of that without some professional help. And I can't believe it either. I'll be honest with you. Um, I needed professional help. I was really, really messed up. And my body was taking a toll. And like I said, I sh probably should have been hospitalized at some point just to get my emotions and in, in my, my head right or on some kind of a medication. Um, later in my life, I have taken medication for anxiety. So you know, I, I needed to probably be on something like that earlier on. And it's okay. 
It's okay to be on medication. It's mm-hmm. okay to get yourself healthier. But I, I really felt like it was kind of, uh, now it's like I've got to control my body. So it was almost like another sense of I've got to get under control. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like the eating disorder was my way of controlling. Now, so the eating disorder is controlling me. Yeah. So now I've got to get that under control as well as it's ruining my body. You know, the fear of that was part of it too. But I think there's a competitive side to me. Like I've got to get this. I got to get this under control one way or I, another. Yeah. And so I think mentally there was a shift in my head. First of all, I'm scared. I'm going to hurt myself and this is going to be a permanent situation. And two, I'm not going to let this control me anymore. And somehow there was that mental shift and I was able to do it. But ladies, it took a couple of years. I mean, even today, if I eat certain foods, I'll lose it. So it's, and, and 40 years later, you know what I mean? It's so mm-hmm. it's, it's something I've lived with now for, for my entire life and has damaged my teeth, damaged my body. And, and I can't be free and do and eat and do the things that I would have liked to have done had I been not bulimic. I think something that you said, Tony, that was just really key for me was even though your parents didn't have the greatest response, being brave enough to say something and do something for yourself is so important. It's really scary. Another interesting thing that I saw was that, yes, the statistics are high for young women, but it actually really does affect both men and women and actually all ages and races. I meant to say that about men too. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the thing that's very skewed is that many men are not really willing to talk about it Mm-mm. or get help. And so that is why those numbers are often really not representing correctly. And so yeah. it's really critical that if you are struggling with an eating disorder, that you reach out and ask for help and you might have to do it more than once. Sometimes people do not have the tools to know how to react in those situations. So sometimes you have to try again. Sometimes you have to have multiple conversations and that's terrifying, but you could save your own life. You could really help yourself if you do that. And so I thought that, you know, that was really inspiring to me was like letting people know what you're struggling with, being vulnerable enough to be a little bit embarrassed about your weaknesses, oh, like yeah. because it has. You <laughs> it know. is, and it is embarrassing. I didn't tell my husband until a year after we were married that I was that sick. Yeah, because I was so embarrassed. But again, I agree with you. Say something. Don't give up. Let people know. Read. Educate yourself. I I didn't have any of the tools that they have right now to educate yourself on getting help. Yeah. Um, but like I said, if a parent is out there listening to this podcast, please, you know, take it seriously. Yeah. Take it seriously. I think it'd be good to talk a little bit about maybe the steps before it becomes like full on eating disorder. Some of those narratives that we may see coming into our lives because it's constant in media, yeah. in our friends, in our family. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, we had a couple of thoughts. You want to talk a little bit about some ideas of just helping to prevent these things from becoming overly traumatic, like letting our feelings out. And you talked a little bit about that, you know, letting our traumas out in a more healthy way, our coping mechanisms, but maybe some other ideas that we had that 
for the prevention. Well, and I'll be honest, I have a dear friend that's um, suffered from anorexia and she and I have chatted a lot and kind of what we mentally, what we think of now is don't be afraid of food. If you want a cookie, have a cookie. Just don't have 12. Yeah. You know, and it gets to that point. Well, if I have this cookie, then I better have 12. And so looking at food as your friend and not the enemy or that you can't have something when it is there, just moderation. And, yeah. you know, like I said, you, you just don't think about it anymore. Find other things to occupy your mind. It's, it's difficult, ladies. I wish I could say there's a magic solution but I think everybody has their own, I think abuse sometimes can come into this where if someone has been abused, that's one of the triggers. They go to eating disorders, you know, so you've got to kind of find the underline. It's not just about weight. It's not just about body image. I feel like it's, it's something even deeper sometimes that you really need to kind of figure that out. And then hopefully you can get healthier with with some help and some counseling. And because I know that people that are abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, this is a very common um, outcome yeah. for something like that. And again, kind of comes back to control, low self-esteem. I wish I could tell you what I could have done better. Well, I don't think there is something that you could have done better other with the tools that you had. That's the thing is like, there wasn't a lot of education about this. Yeah, you know? no, there really wasn't. But boy, I sure didn't talk about it. I didn't, I don't think I told anybody. One person brought it up to me and I brought it up to my parents in that time frame. That was it. Oh, that's so lonely. That's so that lonely it. and isolating. And I, I really personally believe that prevention of any sort of these illnesses begins with open communication. Oh, absolutely. And I know, I know it's so scary and vulnerable at the beginning. It's not always easy to have these mm -hmm. types of conversations, but I personally think that we are faced with these media images and these messages that just constantly portray unhealthy expectations. Mm -hmm. We can't think that avoiding these conversations or talking about it maybe once to your child or to your friend is going to shield us from falling into these damaging habits mm -hmm. and those self-depreciating thoughts that naturally happen. So we just need to learn how to have open communication about everything. And then when you have those relationships where you feel safe and comfortable, when hard things do happen, it's easier to talk about them. Right. Right. And we can find that with many people, with friends and uh, loved ones, but also even stating that you might need to talk to a counselor, even if you don't feel like it's a very safe place to talk to your parents, just reaching mm -hmm. out to someone yeah. I think is vital. Oh, and, and they do. They have school counselors now, and they have, I mean, there's options. There's options for people to kind of um, unburden it. That's, that's the other thing. It was a burden. I needed to tell somebody. I felt like I needed to tell somebody, and it's kind of your cry for help, mm -hmm. you know? Help me get out of this situation. So, oh, yeah. Some other ways I think uh, we can educate ourselves to have this prevention of these unhealthy habits are, first is really having a healthy body image and understanding that healthy bodies come in so many different shapes and sizes. Sure. 
we need to just learn how to find a deep love and appreciation for our physical bodies. And I just think that's the greatest foundation that we can have to avoid unhealthy behaviors. And we've done a really great episode um, called Better Body Love that dives way deeper into this. But I think that's the beginning. That's the foundation of being able to avoid these thoughts and feelings and uh, unhealthy behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one would be to just encourage healthy eating habits, educate ourselves. Oh, sure. If you would have known what this would have done to your body, I highly doubt it would have gone to the extreme that it did. No, no. I mean, I just thought, oh, wow, that was easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know the repercussions for years that would years. Yeah. That it took the toll on and, you know, as, as anything does, you guys, we've got, we've got to eat right and we've got to take care of our bodies, whether it be drugs, smoking, alcohol, anorexia, all of them have such a toll on us and we've been so blessed to have a body and we need to take care of it. Yeah, it kind of makes me sad that I abused it so much over the years, but I'm trying to make up but for what it. you're doing. Well, that's <laughs> what you're doing now. And you are speaking your truth so other people can avoid this heartache. Mm-hmm. And I know you and you are such a loving person. I have no doubt that you've helped people personally with the same problem. Well, I helped you today. So, <laughs> Tony, is there any life takeaway too that you were able to use from this to better you in other situations that you'd like to share with our listeners before we close? I think just really it's okay to not be perfect and it's okay to say I have anxiety and it's okay to say I'm scared. We don't all have to be strong like that, you know, and I just hope anyone can find a dear friend or someone that you can truly trust and be able to confide in things and please don't be afraid of counseling. I tell you, it has changed my life and it just opens some doors that need to be opened and things to be let out and pains to be uh, forgiven. And so don't be frightened of that. It's, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. That is beautiful. And I do think that also we need to have the self-awareness to know what triggers us. And Mm -hmm. if it's a social media of certain people you follow Mm -hmm. that you are noticing you're comparing yourself too much, like we can have that control of what we allow into our space and into our hearts. I think that's something that we really uh, need to understand that we can manage those things individually. I agree. Sorry. I, I, I should have brought up social media. I didn't have that. Yeah, that wasn't even a yeah, factor. It wasn't an issue. And I can't fathom how that would have triggered me even worse. Yeah. If I had felt like I had to compete against all my friends. So yeah, just turn it off and be very selective of who your friends are on your social media. Great make, sure they're, make sure they're friends. Let's put it that way. Well, thank you so much, Tony. We appreciate you so much for sharing your story. You bet. And just being a light that there is hope there is change that's possible and it doesn't make you a lesser person if you've struggled with something like this it just is something you need to be able Mm -hmm. to ask for help for and i i thought that it was so inspiring to hear your story and i really appreciate it you bet i do want to mention that tony actually is married to one of my very first interviews i ever did his name is lee young and he did the interview about depression versus situational sadness and i loved it you guys are just the most dynamic duo 
And I just feel blessed to know you both. I've learned so much from both of you. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and giving us your time today. Thank you, ladies, for letting me be a part of your podcast. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Tony. If you are enjoying this podcast and finding value in it, we want to ask for your help. We don't always want to ask for reviews and ratings, but reviews on the podcast app are what help other teens to find us. We want to spread light and love and create the space for as many of you as we can. If you can take just a moment to give us a rating and a review right now, that would mean the world to us. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next time on Becoming. Becoming.